0: You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review.
1: What's up, creeps? Welcome to another brand new brain stew, fresh fright review. I'm Justin.
2: I'm Jeremy.
1: Mm-hmm. Hello. Mm-hmm. Hello. B-ready. Hello. Hello. Be ready. Hello. Hello. Be ready. Hello. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. And ladies and gentlemen, this week on the show, we're going to be talking about a new movie. As always, on the fresh frights that just landed in theaters last week. Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool.
2: And what they don't realize is that we have a surprise guest for you. Mia Goth. Hello. (laughs) I'm, I'm so overjoyed to be on your podcast. Hello.
1: Mia, what's it feel like to be one of the biggest stars in horror right now and that you weren't nominated for an Academy Award? Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> oh.
2: Shia.
1: Is it Shia or Shia? It's Shia, right?
2: I like to call him Chia Lumber. <laughs>
0: He's a kombucha. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, we have a special guest today. It's uh, Mia Goth's eyebrows. <laughs> they showed what up eyebrows. What they eyebrows? Up. God, I don't know how she gets away with being so damn hot without any eyebrows.
2: Like, does she have eyebrows, but they're just so, like, faint blonde that you can't see them? We we, we literally
1: confirmed this, like, three episodes ago
2: need to hear it again because I'm still confused.
1: I told my wife to look like I asked her and she just said that they're very light and some people don't have eyebrows that grow in thick and, and dark like that. So it's just a natural she thing. She should get
2: those like Spanish chick like just drawn on eyebrows. No way. Mm-hmm. But they, they should draw them on like thick as fuck. Uh, like that one chick. Uh, What was uh, Car- Carla De- Delavine? What the fuck's her I name? name? The, Dolphine,
0: Dolphine
1: the Dolphine. Discovery. Discovery. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. No, no, dude, I mean, to me, like, that's really who she is. I mean, that's part of... Let's get some Jennifer
2: Connolly, fucking Caterpillar fucking big-ass, thick-ass eyebrows going on. Do guy. you guys think I have weird eyebrows? I had someone tell me that my eyebrows were very far apart, and I haven't been able
1: to... Brady, see I can't fucking see your eyebrows while we're recording oh, the so podcast. I mean, I so I can't tell you. Actually, they so do they... look kind of far apart.
0: Okay, that's not nice. <laughs> Well, they're like, they're... They're like brown over here, but as you get closer, they're blonde. So like,
2: I mean, fucking dye them, then, dude. because you're a bitch made boy. You bitch made boy.
0: <laughs> that video is so good. It is so
2: good.
1: You gonna shut your mouth when I'm talking to you, boy? You
2: bitch bitch made boy. boy.
1: I'm over here having no abs- no idea at all what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> you
0: gotta send. It's just to this, this. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's a stupid And when you do, can you
2: send it to me again because I can yeah. not see it. Again. <laughs>
0: oh god anyways
1: yes anyway so this movie which one <laughs> what about it? the one that we're <laughs> reviewing on the show this week the main one no i'm still looking at my eyebrows no, i'm sorry i'd rather not ever think about that one again <laughs> okay okay fair enough But brady
2: Hall- halloween ends mm-hmm. no I, oh,
0: shut, oh actually no. one of my friends is watching halloween ends tonight for the first time and he was like is this even a halloween movie he said i'm 40 minutes in and michael hasn't shown up and i was like just Dude, you wait Dude, not
2: only that, funny enough, your friend's watching Halloween Ends today. My buddy Ron just read the fucking novelization of Halloween Ends, and there's Boy. so much, like, they obviously, like, when when they were writing the novel, must have gone off, like, a different draft of the script that, like, is wildly different than what we ended up getting. Um, and, dude, he was telling me a bunch of the stuff in it. It uh, had a lot more Michael stuff. And at the end, like, Hawkins... Uh, shows up at Lori's house because, you know, she kept Michael's mask. And, like, mm-hmm. when uh, he showed up, there was just something off about her. And, like, as he was, like, walking away, he was like, that uh, that wasn't Lori. Like, there was something felt off about her. That, wa- that wasn't Lori. And, like, the movie was supposed to end with, like, Lori looking out the window with Michael breathing. And that's how Jesus it was initially Christ. supposed to end. And he was like, yeah, man, I really like the novel. And I was like, dude, everything you told me. Makes me hate it even more. Like I never want to fucking think about that movie. Well, ever thank again God in my life.
0: David Gordon Green is never coming back to horror ever again.
2: Oh, here, here's a here's a fun little little tidbit for you. Um, I have a friend, and I'll just leave it at that. That ran into somebody that's that's working on the David Gordon Green um, Exorcist film. I going to say film. And uh, my buddy was like, "Oh man, that that must be cool." And this person said. Yeah, I mean, like it's cool working on the movie and stuff, but the script is really not very good. So you know, there's just more to look forward to from those guys making horror films. Like you, you excel in comedy. Do that. Yeah. Do yeah. that. It's like it's like remember that one time that like Michael Jordan, uh, and I can't believe I'm pulling out a sports reference because I know shit. Yeah, wow, I was even. I know about one shit. time
1: in the nineties. <sighs>
2: remember, remember when he was like, "I'm done playing basketball. Now it's time to go play baseball." It's like yeah, and well, Space Jam. It's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, dude, I mean, like, you're like, like you're okay at baseball for sure, but like you're yeah, a, like you're the greatest ever at basketball. So it's like that's kind of what I feel like with these guys like delving into horror. It's like, dude, righteous gemstones is a fucking masterpiece. Dude, I, mean, I would even that's
0: eastbound and down before that was oh, even crazier. Dude. Uh yeah. I don't know. I love it. Yeah, but anyways, uh, we'll get back to the movie. Sorry, Justin. Um, I mean, no, no, don't say sorry. What, to be, no, what? Like, what uh, movie? <laughs> well, we're what, what movie, well, hold on, Jimmy. Let me ask what movie you saw this weekend. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> then
1: you then saw a movie can this weekend. Out what we're doing? Didn't you go to the theater? Yeah. You saw a movie. Uh, I, I mean,
2: I, I I watched. I rewatched Dawn of the Dead. Um, and I also I I rewatched. Uh, dude, this this fucking movie. Um, you guys may have heard of it. It's called The Thing. It's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> uh. It starts off with a dog, and then it just fucking gets crazier from there. Wow. I don't. Know. I don't want a to spoil dog. too much about it, though. Does the yeah. dog talk or anything? Or no? Well, no. I guess Does not. It no. Say woof, woof. Eh. No.
0: Eh. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, this weekend I saw uh, oh, the new the new movie uh, from Brandon Cronenberg infinity pool um and i really liked it compared to his other film which you two probably still haven't seen yet possessor um
1: no have i haven't watched it, it oh, yet, yeah, Brady. it's, it's cool. on my list it literally is i wanted to watch i told it you i would watch it
0: within two weeks i think i said that in the last podcast no no you said that we did that podcast like four weeks ago all right so that makes you a liar you liar, liar.
1: liar hands on fire
0: uh, but anyways, I'll give my synopsis since I knew that was coming, right, Justin? Oh, you know
1: your job. Yeah.
0: Wow, I know my job for once. <laughs> All right. So, Infinity Pool, while vacationing in the exotic but crime-riddled country of La Tolca, struggling writer James, played by Alexander Skarsgård, and his wife M, played by Cleopatra Coleman, end up meeting the seductive yet mysterious Gabby, played by the pod favorite Eyebrowless Mia Goth, <laughs> and after being led outside of the resort grounds by Gabby and her husband, they become entangled in a culture of violence, unchecked hedonism, and horrors of which the eye has never seen. A tragic accident lands them in the mercy of the police, whose policy for crime is blunt: face execution or hope you're rich enough to watch yourself die. Infinity Pool.
1: Infinity Pool.
0: Which I did actually not know was a like a real pool but an infinity yeah, it's pool a certain is kind of a pool. real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So that's pretty I don't cool. think I've ever been in one. I mean, unless unless you're rich, right, you'd have to be rich to be in an infinity pool or go to a really nice place.
0: Yeah, yeah. or pretend to be rich, yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is probably the only way that I'd be Or able hop to get, a fence,
2: you know. Yeah, right, right, to an yeah, infinity
0: pool. Yeah, get a felony,
1: you know, trespassing. Um, that.
0: But yeah, so I mean, I guess I can just go right off the bat. Um, I really didn't know what to expect with this one, like... I don't know. I, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the trailer, I felt like it did a pretty good job of giving away maybe the first act, like the initial 20 minutes or so. And it's like, all right, cool. Like they're on vacation, they hit someone. And you kind of know from the trailer that there's going to be this process of doubling, right? Where they make your body double to execute that instead of execute you if you're rich enough. Um, but what I really find interesting about Brandon Cronenberg is that he seems to have this really good grasp on creating films about the disgusting ways that like a person can lose their soul right and how that can get destroyed which is but it's in the same vein as of like how his dad did all of his body horror like it's just as disgusting i think brandon's is a little more muted like he doesn't really have the same maybe over the top eye for body horror as his dad does or he just holds back on purpose but i think that he does a really good job of um, giving you the story of people getting destroyed by whatever's inside of them while still making it kind of gross um I also like I think this movie really showed some good themes that were very direct of like his view of a globalized world and elites who run it um I, I think that a lot of movies get into that theme of these rich and powerful people and it gets a little more satirical but I think this one was just like gross and gritty and disgusting and like I didn't care about any of the characters for most of the movie until the end when you're like oh like that's that's kind of sad but sad in a way that was more like i don't know what you guys would say but maybe just kind of like empty sad does that make sense like i didn't really care what happened to the characters at the end but it just made me feel like this feeling of emptiness like wow like that's just they're all empty
1: well it's such yeah? a an extreme experience that you go through when you watch this movie i think you'd have to be like inhuman to not feel something from it You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, it, it's such an experience where I kind of felt like I was numb walking out a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I, I just really think that overall it's a commentary on how the rich or the elites or the one percenters, whatever you want to call them, how you can do anything as long as the money flows. Right. But what's the ultimate price, right? Like there's gotta be some, some price that you pay. So is it, is it your bank account? Is it your soul? Like, what is it? Like, do you lose a part of you? And and then they also had the theme of you know like is it really you or the double that's getting killed like I thought that was pretty interesting I wish that they had, they had that's
2: that's the gone part into that, that, I, that a little more that's the part that I think fucked with me the most is just like uh, when our when our lead character is you know introduced to all the other rich couples and one of one of the characters says do you ever wonder if you're really you or if you're the double mm-hmm. and. That was a terrifying thought for me. In fact, like, that would be the scariest thing for me. Like, what if I watched the real me get executed and I'm the copy? You know, like, why, like, what What does, you know, the LaTolka people, what do they care which version it is? You know, would they find it funny for me to continue on with the rest of my life thinking that I was the real me but I'm just a clone copy? I also, like... Since we're talking about that, I like that they didn't overly explain it. None of yeah, them. Didn't, they, didn't they didn't overly explain the technology, how it works, nothing. Just you get in this red goo shit, and all of a sudden, you see all types of crazy lights and different things, and then you wake up, and they somehow made a perfect replica of you that retained all of your memories and everything. I like that it was just like, okay. This is what it is, and this is what happens. And it's like, you know, you go along for the ride with the movie, and you don't need it overly explained. I feel like Hollywood, a lot of times, they feel the need to overly explain the process, right? Another filmmaker may have done, like, a whole, like, well, this is how it works. And I like that Brandon Cronenberg was just like, no, this just, they put you in this red shit. When you wake up, there's another one of you. I, I love that.
0: Yeah,
1: agreed. Yeah, I mean, there's that initial shock, that we see with our main two characters after they go through this experience for the first time, and I think that's, you know, they're an audience surrogate in a way where you're like you're experiencing that through them, where you're like, okay, so this is, this is what the technology is, this is what they can do. If it was overly explained and, and spoon fed, it would would have lost all all impact entirely.
0: Yeah, and I think the one thing that I got hung up on for a second was, you know, how does this. I mean, I don't know if you'd call it a third world country, but it's, you know, they're basically, you're given this perception of this country, like it's full of crime, full of poverty, like there's not a lot going on outside of these resorts, right? Like it's not safe to go out there. There's barbed wire on top of the fences for the resort. So like, please don't go out there. They're kidnapping tourists to try to get ransom money. Um, but then how do they have this technology? How are they the only people in the world who have this technology, right? So, but I, I, again, I think that just goes into his shtick in his movies where it gives you all this information and it's so disorienting and it's throwing you through so many loops but not so much like Christopher Nolan where I think sometimes his movies can get caught up in their own loops like I think he just gives you all this information and he's like yeah like you're just gonna get fucked up during this Yeah, you're gonna get (laughs) fucked up
1: you're gonna get fucked up from it and also I don't think he's wanting you to feel just one specific thing like he knows that people perceive things differently and we all experience Feelings differently and how these things he's conveying on screen are going to make a person feel is all dependent on that individual. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think it's there is a wide array of emotions and feelings you get while you watch this movie, depending on your perspective as a person. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I can tell you right now, the very first shot of this movie where the camera's going upside down. Oh, man, <laughs> dude, it made me feel so fucking nauseous. Like, I don't know if it did the same to you guys, but, like, when that camera shot hit, I was, like, instantly queasy in my stomach. Like, like, well, I hope they don't do this shit a bunch. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean,
1: the cinematography in general and and a lot of the camera angles, that asymmetrical composition and those unusual angles, I mean, mixed with later on some of the stuff we see with the, the hallucination scenes. I mean, it's just mind numbing. I mean, he, he wants you to feel something totally extreme. And I think in terms of uh, that alone, this is probably the most unnerving movie I've experienced in a long time. You know, I mean, there's there's a fucking warning that, you know, you could have a seizure while watching this movie. And my wife, who she can't watch like watch like any kind of strobing or anything like that, had to close her eyes through each one of those sequences because it was such an immense experience to, to deal with.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree. It's very unnerving, but I also found it refreshing how original it was. Very mm. similar um to Pearl, right? Where it was like sure you you borrowed some themes, but it was like its own fucking movie. Like this mm. one I I and and that's why I think like he Brandon Cronenberg gets a lot of shit for being David Cronenberg's son, right? The nepo baby, like he's only getting this because of who his dad is. He should have he
2: he should have just gone by the name Joe Hill. We'd really we really never know. Like, We'd never know who tell. his dad he, was.
0: He could have looked just like his dad when his dad was that age. Just, yep. you know. Uh, but I think he's really, lo- really like doing great things. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to give you guys shit for Possessor, but like, it's a really fucking great movie. And that was the first, I haven't seen his first movie, but that was and the that movie that I saw. Up. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is so fucking cool. This is so good. And then to f- have it followed up by this one. I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, like, sure, your last name's Cronenberg, but, like, you're doing your own fucking thing, like, and I hope he keeps doing it.
1: And he's got, you know, two fucking heavy hitters at the forefront here with Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. I mean, Mm -hmm. Skarsgård, I mean... In terms of what he's typically known for in his roles, this is like flipping the switch, man. I mean, he was a brutal barbarian in the Northmen. Absolutely beautiful performance in that. And now they're switching it right around. And he's stripped of that self-sufficiency, really reduced to like a, a shell of what a man is considered. I mean, this guy right from the beginning, he's self-conscious. He's constantly doubting himself. He's trying to find inspiration. He's this apparently lackluster writer that has a rich wife. And he's just gone to this, uh, like you said, Brady, third world country resort to try to find inspiration.
2: Is that is that a real place? And ex- excuse my ignorance if it is. No, okay. I, I didn't know. think I didn't, so. I, I, okay, I didn't think so uh, either. But uh, I wasn't sure. I was like, All right, but I, I don't mean, know.
1: honestly, you know, some parallels there. It's interesting to think because um, one of the first places I ever went to like that was Punta Cana in Dominican Republic, and you actually see, like, w- when you get off the airport off the airplane and you're driving in this small car like through jungle and you're seeing shacks and people with goats walking down the street. It literally looked like that where there's people, you know, poverty stricken and then you're showing up to this huge fucking steel gate with razor wire around it and there's dudes standing there with guns. I mean, when I was there, I was absolutely shocked. So there are these places that, yes, I'm uh, not just I'm, I'm good on going, not there. just like, not just wealthy people, but people that can afford, you know, like a couple grand for a weekend. You, you can go to these places and there's beautiful resorts. Mm-hmm. The water is crystal clear. It's an amazing in, uh, environment to inhabit. But then, you know, right outside the gates, like 10 miles, you know, it's it's a rough, rough place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm good on going to any place like that. If they need to fucking put up like barbed wire fences and shit to keep locals out. Yeah, fuck that. Well,
1: I mean, uh, I, I remember, Jeremy, actually, when if you walk down the beach, they would always tell you, you know, don't go f- too far outside of the resort bounds because there's no fences on the beach. So if you keep going further down, people are going to try to sell you stuff. You know, stuff can happen. And I remember myself and Danielle walking on the beach and we did, were just walking and talking and we totally forgot how far we'd gone. And I looked over to the right in these trees and I saw a guy. Literally hanging like by one arm out of the tree, super dirty, just looking right at us. And I was like, okay, we're turning back because clearly this guy, this guy and you would hear them talking and then they'd be trying to sell you like, you know, cheap, super cheap jewelry for expensive prices and stuff. And, you know, you never know what could happen. But I mean, it's interesting to, 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 you know, acknowledge that a, a lot, huge portion of our society, they go to places like this to vacation.
0: Yeah well it's it's also like that's the theme of the movie is like these people have so much money they can do whatever the fuck they want and that's what you get into as the movie goes on is like you find out that spoiler alert the body double you know if you're rich enough with the agreement between this country and and whatever countries everybody comes from is as long as you pay for it you could do whatever keep, the fuck you want they'll man. keep doing it so that's <laughs> Which, there's no punishment
2: what what that whole theme makes me think about and and, it, and it's weird but whatever um is how when you get these mega rich celebrities or musicians in general, that they get so much money that they don't fucking know what to do with themselves. Cause it's like, well, I have everything I could want monetarily. I could buy whatever I want. And that's no longer appealing to me. That does nothing for me now. So like people that get in that mode, they tend to go for drugs. Cause they're like, you know what? My money can buy me this thing that like, it takes me on all types of crazy. Yeah, they're
1: looking for a thrill yeah. in a way.
2: Yeah, a- absol- absolutely. And and like the the couples in this movie, it's they have so much fucking money that, you know, drugs are no longer enough for them. Buying things is no longer enough for them. Going on vacations is no longer enough for them. They, they have to push it even farther you know with what their money can buy them for for thrills and and you find out exactly what that is in this movie and it's it's insane man this this movie was so strange um which i kind of like i think i only saw a teaser trailer for this i didn't watch any extended trailer so i really i really didn't know a whole lot about what this movie was going into it but uh me and my buddy chris went <laughs> and there there was only like fucking four people in the theater which is like I keep hearing that people aren't showing up for this thing which sucks a lot because it's it is it's a great time and it's original horror and it pushes the boundary of well what is a horror film what what makes a horror film a horror film right um and I I think horror films are something that that take you on a horrific you know ride and that's what this movie was it was one long horrific ride and when I was driving home I I called my buddy Chris and was like dude I uh I, I need to talk about this movie even though we just saw it like this movie is like it's like you know when you when you have a nightmare and everything in your nightmare makes sense to you or in your dreams makes sense to you in your dream world like you don't question anything that's happening no matter how fucking nuts your dreams are you're not in your dream going, well, wait a minute, this can't happen. You just accept it. Like, no, like, this is what's happening right now, and you don't question it. That's kind of what this movie made me feel. Um, It made me feel like how I I feel waking up after having a batshit crazy dream or a nightmare where I go, well, these things can't exist because that's not how things happen in the real world. And that's kind of what this movie was to me. It was one long nightmare that you're on with with this this lead character, Alexander Skarsgård, James Foster. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what it made me feel like. And any movie that kind of challenges me like that or takes me on a ride that I've never been on within the genre immediately has my attention. And this movie, I was captivated from beginning till end.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of that, like Justin was saying, is due to Skarsgård in large part, but also like, come on, Mia Goth. Like these two were just leading the entire fucking movie. And I, <laughs> eyebrows aside, like she <laughs> brought that. Stop same, bringing up
1: the eyebrows, Brady. I can't.
0: Okay. I can't. And she brought the same craziness that she brought to X and Pearl and, and brought it here. And it's, it's, she's like the perfect conduit for this kind of movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like she can go from that sweet, seductive, temptress woman to this. Fat shit, crazy, shrieking, shrill, dude, uh, just uh, psychotic dude, person. I dare, Gar- Gar- com- I dare anyone
1: to. I dared anyone to tell me another actress right now working in Hollywood that can go from that unparalleled unhinged psychopath to sweet that dude. quickly like she does.
0: Not now, it's, but Gary Busey
2: and Rookie of the Year. <laughs> uh funky butt loving, funky butt loving, dude. Do what's uh, funky What's insane about me a goth? And, and this is something else that I said after watching this movie. I, I'm i coining it right now. I'm, I'm saying it right now. She is the female Nicolas Cage. And I love it. And I'm here for it. Her performances are fucking insane. She pushes every boundary. She doesn't question whether she's going too far with it. It is what it is. This is the character that I'm portraying because I'm the person portraying this character. Um, immediately after watching this, I was like, "Dude, she is the female Nicolas Cage, and I'm absolutely here for it because her performance is batshit fucking crazy." And and like, what's insane about it is not only is it batshit crazy, but it's crazy seductive. Like Mia Goth. What she can do with her facial expressions and body mannerisms, it's like I don't know how, but somehow right now you're the hottest chick on the fucking planet. Mm-hmm. But even though you're not traditionally hot in the normal sense, like it's just the way that she carries herself. Um, and I'm I'm gonna throw this out there right now, uh, was and this is a spoiler review, ladies and gentlemen. So If you sure, didn't already know. We 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 that's what we do. So, That's what we you know, do. Here, here here we are. Here we are. Um there is a scene in this movie where Alexander Skarsgård, James Foster is wine drunk and he's taking a piss you know by the beach and he literally is done pissing and he's about to put his dick away when Mia Goth's character comes up and literally reaches around and grabs his hog which I assume still had like some pee pee dribble on it so she's like fuck it. I'm here for the pee pee dribble. And she just starts jerking him off, and it's like thirty seconds of like you can't see it, like you can, like you just, <laughs> yeah, you oh, just, gross. you just see, put your guns away, <laughs> you just see like her standing behind him, and you can see that her shoulders thrusting, and you hear the, you know, and he's like, oh. Dude, like, that dude, was like the performance of It
1: sounded life. painful to me. I don't know. It didn't sound yeah. enjoyable. He was like
2: frothing at the mouth. Was dude, it just dude,
1: because he was, he hand was hand so up. surprised or I mean- he And like his wife, his
2: wife, his wife, his wife was like close by too. So I'm sure that was, you know, a thrill for that character. But dude, I, I was not expecting reach around handjob action in this movie. <laughs> and then the funniest <laughs> shit is that all of a sudden it literally shows his nut hit the rocks. Like you see the cum- <laughs> hit the rocks and I was like well that's a first for me I don't know that I've ever seen somebody's jizz hit some rocks and in, in a horror film before but there that was like holy shit well, and dude I nobody else laughed in the theater when all of a sudden she started giving him a reach around <laughs> hand job. dude I was like "Ah!" ah, ah. what kind of like, movie am I watching just cause right I now? wasn't ex- I, I was not expecting that at all and it fucking made me laugh the guy in front of me was the weirdest fucking guy on the planet. I'm pretty sure he was there for it. He was like, all right, I'm about to turn this bitch into a Pee Wee Herman moment.
0: Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it in the pre-show, but allegedly in the NC-17 cut, they actually show, like, a penis with the jack allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. allegedly. Yep. A- allegedly. But, uh, yeah, man, that was... I just can't get over it. like what took me out of that was just like his noises. I was like, come on, dude, like it's it's just a hand job. It's it's not that special. Like and uh, then at the end he was like shuddering, he was like <sighs> Excuse
1: me. <sighs> I was like, dude, Brady, what are you doing? You just said not that special. It's Mia Goth giving you a hand job.
0: She he couldn't even see her. She was behind him, just staring at him.
1: He
2: knew. He's like, like, I "I don't know if this is Gabby or her husband, but I'm going to go with it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you telling me you don't know the difference between a man's hand on your dick versus a He's like, don't worry. Don't worry,
2: James Foster. I will take care of you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though? My My wife loves your book. Shut up. Shut up. Take it. Take it. Later in
1: the movie, we know they do like an orgy. Where everyone's fucking yeah, let's, everybody. Yeah, let's talk about this so. orgy
0: real quick because it was also psychedelic. But there's one part before you find out it's an orgy that Mia, uh, Gabby is just riding James, and then it pans out, and Albin, Gabby's husband,
2: is just like holding
0: onto James's ankle, like, <laughs> jacking With his off his
2: big ass fucking teeth, his big ass <laughs> fucking like, gorilla teeth, I dude. Was like, what the fuck is he doing down Oh, there? he was jacking off. Yeah, 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 he
1: was jacking off. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I like, dude, when he was holding James's ankle. I laughed and I didn't even realize he was jerking off. I was just like, "Dude, what's he doing?" Yeah, I was like, "What?" And that's when I did a Jeremy laugh.
1: I mean, I gotta say, those sequences for me were probably the most impressive of the entire movie, uh, in terms of actually the orgy the the composition of the <laughs> shots and how unnerving it was, and like it was just an ex- so fucking extreme and in your face. It just like you know kind of numbed your senses a little bit. The sound and the visual... I mean, I swear to God, I could smell the sweat, you know? It was like... You're like, I, smelt, I smelled some stinky butthole up in there. I mean, oh, yeah, God. for anyone that's actually ever <laughs> taken a hallucinogenic drug, you understand what I'm saying by this, but it, it, it's, it's a fever dream in that sense, but can you imagine actually being on a hallucinogenic drug and watching those sequences? I think it's going to become a thing, I really do, where people are going to do it because... I mean in those sequences it reminded me of like something that Kubrick would do h- had he been still alive and making films in modern day and even to the point where you know Mia Goth's character reminded me of a young Malcolm McDowell in A Clockwork Orange a lot of parallels there yeah for me yeah
0: that's a good one yeah and i mean We haven't talked about it much, and I know, Justin, you were going to bring it up, but the score is just incredible for this movie, too. It almost, like, it's that synth-heavy, like, drum-forward, pounding. It's, especially in this orgy scene, like, it's just, it works incredibly well. And it's almost like its own, like, execution march song, you know? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just taking you towards the end of Mm -hmm. their, their run. I read a review about it afterwards that said it was, like, the reviewer took away that it was somebody overstaying their welcome. And I was like, "Mm, hmm, it's interesting. So like the music really goes into that. Like, okay, like you're coming to the end of your time. You're way over the time you should have spent there. Like, this is just the music that that it's, it's marching you towards the end.
1: Yeah. And the the score was done by Tim Hecker. I'm not familiar. I'd have to look up their, their body of work. But I mean, what they can created with that was like this distortion of the senses. Like I said, that really carries you through the movie. And you said it perfectly, Brady from the beginning until the end, it kind of gains momentum and it builds and it gets more mm-hmm. schizophrenic as the movie goes along.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, just loved it. Also, real quick, before we move on, I just do want to say that this movie uh, in its opening weekend did more at the box office than David Cronenberg's Crimes to the Future did in its whole theatrical run. So Wow. Yeah.
1: Not by much, but still. I mean, and I hate to say this, that movie was it didn't work for me. It's cool. Another Cronenberg movie with a lot of cool themes, great visuals, but overall just landed with a thud. Um yeah. Not to say that I absolutely loved this movie. I mean, I think the experience of it itself uh, has to be admired and appreciated. Um, but it, it's kind of, I mean, for me at least, it's kind of hard for me to walk out saying, yeah, I loved it. Um, I think I admired and appreciated it a lot more than I than I physically loved it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And um, I didn't. I don't think we ever us three talked about Crimes of the Future on the podcast. But I watched. That I still haven't seen too, it, and I felt the same way. I was like, I just, it, I felt like there could have been so much more done with it. And it, some people talk about Cronenberg movies like it's almost like you know masturbation. Like it's it's you're just like sitting there like, and it's him just living in excess of himself. And I felt like that's what that movie was. And I don't feel like that's what Infinity Pool was.
2: So we I we feel- still sorry, good. So we we still haven't discussed like what this movie really is. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into that. So uh, James Foster, his wife, and Gabby and her husband, uh, they're told that they're not allowed to leave the resort because it's very dangerous. But uh, Gabby, uh, Bauer, and her husband um, rent a car, and they invite. Jack Foster, or I'm sorry, James Foster and his wife, um, to leave the compound to go to this really secluded beach area. And they're like, listen, we go on vacation here every year. It's completely safe. Don't worry. Like, they won't know we're gone. And so they leave and they go. Um, so, James is an author that has one book out that got horrible reviews. Nobody cared about it. Uh, his wife's father, is like a book mogul, like owns his own, you know, literary company that releases books. And so a lot of the reviews for, for James, for uh, his book is that, you know, the only reason that he, his book even got a publishing deal was because of who his wife's dad is. And so James wanted to go, he's the one that recommended going to this resort, trying to find some type of inspiration to write a second book because he's questioning whether he's even a good author so when asked what what he does for a living, he's like, "Well, I've written one book." And they're like, "Well, what do you do for money?" And and she she says who her father is and that he, he married money. rich. <laughs> he married rich. And so uh Gabby's husband is like, you know, like how does that make you feel that like she's the one with the money? And he's like, so he kind of, they kind of make him feel inferior already. And so they go to this this private beach and they're drinking wine and they're eating food and then a reach around hand job happens and <laughs> When it comes time to finally leave, uh, James is like all drive us home because everybody else is like even more wasted than he even is. Even so more wasted
1: than Justin used to get.
2: Yes. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. We had to scrap we had to scrap a candyman episode one time. Uh you we were drunker <laughs> than all four of those people combined. So uh <laughs> Good old <Tito>. so uh <laughs> damn old Tito Santana. So uh <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> so uh, as he's as James is driving everyone home, the lights on the car keep going on and off. They're it's having some type of technical malfunction. And this farmer, this local farmer guy ends up for whatever goddamn reason, like I, I'm going to walk in the road now. Oop. Like uh, there was no other cars out. It's like, come on, bro. Did you not like, come on? Middle, of the, a, the a, middle can, of the
1: night. Literally, I can hear a middle of the night.
2: The middle of the night, I can hear a fucking car coming. It's like, come on, bro. anyway, so, James hits and kills this farmer guy. And he's like, holy fuck, like, we have to call the police. And Gabby and her husband are like, no. Like, you don't understand. The police here, they will rape your wife all night long, kill her, dump her body where it will never be found, and they're just gonna execute you. Like, no, we need to get the fuck back on the resort now. That was, like, panic-inducing. And then they had to, like... Go back to the gate of the resort, and like the armed guards were like unsure of whether they were going to even let them in. Like, dude, that was like super panic inducing for me. So they get in and they're like, We never talk about this again. Well, then the next morning, the police come and they knock on the door and they're like, James Foster, come with us. That's like an arm. Come thing. with us. Do it come now. On. Come with so, us if you want to live. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so they, they, They take James and his wife to the police station and they're like, just very matter of fact, like any crimes committed here in our country from non-residents is death. And he's like, (laughs) Alexander Skarsgård's performance is so brilliant. He's like, wait, what? Exactly.
1: You nailed it. It's exactly what he did too. Like what any rich white dude would do in that situation. Like, what do you mean? You're going to do that to me?
2: To me? And so he was like, yes, like, so what's going to happen is uh, in our country, if uh, a non-resident kills, uh, you know, a resident, uh, the person who was killed, their oldest of spawn, whether son or daughter, gets to do the executing. So he's got a 12-year-old son who is going to kill you. And he's just like, and and then he goes, oh, what? Unless, you know, we've done research on you and we know your wife has money. If you're willing to pay a substantial amount of money, we can make a clone of you and it will look identical to you. It even retains all of your memories. So it doesn't even know that it's a clone. It really thinks that it's you and you and your wife. It's mandatory that you watch the execution of yourself, the clone and it's just like again like i said i like that they didn't try to explain the technology of it and that's what happens is of course they pay because they're rich and that's what fucking rich people do man uh they pay so they pay and they sit there and they they have to watch the execution of james him watching and it was dude it was heartbreaking this clone or was it a clone was that the real version of him we never know i also love that that you never know um he's he's calling out for his wife mm M, please help. Please help. It's like, dude, such a dramatic, sad moment. And he gets executed and M doesn't the, watch it, it.
1: By the way, in the most brutal way possible. I mean, oh, he's, he's getting that. stabbed what in he, the abdomen over, over, and over and over, and they and over. don't pull any punches with that. That shit is extreme. I mean, I I oh, yeah. I, I could only imagine what the NC seventeen cut has if there's any more of that, but it's 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 a death in the way that when you watch these true crime documentaries and they, they mentioned someone being stabbed like 15 times. That's what they did with this. And you rarely ever see a stabbing in such a graphic nature like this in a movie.
2: It was, it was brutal as shit. So James, he watches the whole time. He He's mesmerized, but he can't take his eyes off of it. And that's when you kind of realize like, does he hate himself so much over all of his self-confidence issues? uh over everything that he feels like he's lacking in this life, that he hates himself so much that he got some type of pleasure over watching himself get murdered. Like, it, there's a lot of weird parallels in there.
0: I, I took away from this part, not to interrupt, but, like, when he has that slight smirk as, as it fades out and cuts away, like, I was like, that's when I was like, okay, I think that's the clone. Like... But the and clone, I know you're the not clone wouldn't know. Yeah, the clone wouldn't know. But I still yeah. think that's like it's so ambiguous throughout the whole the whole movie. Everything really mm-hmm. is. So I was like, maybe that's his like little wink, or it's just that's him realizing, wow, like I get to just like kind of do like whatever. Like this is a restart. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. But I don't know. That's just what I took in that moment. I was like, okay, this is, shit's about to get real, because that's only like what 20, 25 minutes into the movie. Yeah.
1: Everything happens really fast. The way Especially the movie the ramps up. up.
2: That happens really fast. So, so then once he gets out, like, literally, he's, like, like, still in shock, kind of, and he's drinking and he's smoking, and Gabby's, like, come with me, and then she, like, introduces him to, like, these other couples that are also rich and famous, and you find out that all of them, Gabby and her husband, were both executed there, but they paid and had a clone do it, and then these other couples, you find out that they all committed crimes and had to pay to get executed and not them. And then you find out they have this, like, it's like a cult. It's like this secret society of, like, the mega-rich where there is, they pay money to go to this resort to do whatever the fuck they want to do because they know there's no real-world consequence for anything that they do that they can just use their money as a weapon to get out of everything. And so they are there to do... Like, the most, like, heinous, debauchery things, whatever their heart fucking desires, because they're like, you know what? I've got a superpower. It's called I'm Filthy Fucking Rich, and rules don't apply to me because of that. And I think that there's such a great social commentary on classism, you know, within our society, and, like, dude, I don't want to go too deep on it, but, like, you know, there's tons of celebrities in this country that, have killed people that their money got them out of you know any real consequence maybe you know they still suffer an emotional consequence of some sort but like you know I, I won't mention anything but <laughs> but someone was was just announced for an autograph event um and it was interesting because it's somebody that I never thought that we would see because they um accidentally, Killed someone, so well, well. didn't Matthew Broderick go through that too? Yeah, Vince like Neil did. Were killed him yeah. and Jennifer Grey. Yeah. Yep. And Vince Vince Neil didn't he fucking accidentally kill yeah, somebody? His, his
1: buddy. Yeah. yeah. When he drunk drunk driving, his buddy in the car d- died and he lived. What yeah. I took away
0: from it too is like I don't know if you guys ever read a lot of like classic literature, uh, but I was big into like F. Scott Fitzgerald growing up, and this is just like. You super F Scott
2: head. get the fuck out of my face talking about some <laughs> nerd shit like some goddamn books to me, son.
0: Go on outside, nerd.
2: Uh, Go on out yeah. here, nerd, with your fucking books. Go ahead, and read you your know, words, stupid.
0: There's a couple of his books that take place with like this group of you know rich socialites who just kind of do whatever they fucking want through life. And sure, the 1920s and 30s are much different than <laughs> getting body doubled in whatever era this was, but. Uh, that's just what kept sticking out to me. I was like, yeah, it's just like, it's, that's transcended through generations. It's like just how people with money can do whatever they want. And especially how they go to other cultures and take advantage of mm-hmm. the things that are happening there. Like they're basically just using this place as their playground mm-hmm. and the cops don't care because the cops are getting rich off of it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, Fucking sure, you can do whatever rich. you want, but you, like, I'm just murder, gonna whoever paid.
2: you want. It's fine.
0: Yeah. You think I care? Cool. There's justice, quote unquote, yeah. but yeah, so <laughs> I thought that was that was a really good theme that he hammered on. I think that can be I don't know. I I feel like some movies nowadays get too wrapped up in this this buzzword of elites and throw it into a movie and it's just not done well. And I I thought he did it really well because wow. it made it Amazing. was so visceral. It made you feel something, like gross.
2: Oh yeah. I I, I I'm 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 going to go ahead and say this right now. I don't know how any film this year is going to top for me this movie like it's going to have to be a wild card movie cuz again Ooh. this this movie just it it took me on a on this dark journey with this character and I was man edge of my seat captivated and like dude so many so many things that are tropes in horror films that would be easy go-to's like I legitimately had no idea what was going to happen next throughout the entirety of this movie. And that was so fucking refreshing. So refreshing. Man, this <laughs> this movie, dude. Yeah, so we might so, as well we might as well yeah. get right
1: to it then. Um, Jeremy, because you just gave kind of your uh sum up of your final thoughts. Are you gonna, gonna trash treasure. this or treasure it, man?
2: Oh, dude, I'm I'm way treasuring this. Like I I went to work still talking about this movie today. (laughs) Like, to one of my employees, I was like, have you heard of this movie? And she was like, no. And I was like, it's about these rich people that can have clones of themselves made, and it gets them out of being executed. And, like, I, like, explained, or, like, I was so excited about it that it just reminds me of why I love the horror genre. It reminds me of being at the school table in elementary school telling other kids about Freddy Krueger. That's like the feeling this movie gave me. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to tell people about it. You know, I want other people to see it so we can talk about it because it's such a mindfuck. I've never seen a Brandon Cronenberg movie. I'm really excited to check out his other two films now because this just fucking sold me. I'm already a fucking fan. Uh, Mia Goth, Lights Out Performance. Again, I'm coining this female Nicolas Cage like I can't wait to see what she does next and she's someone that I man is she going to continue doing these art house movies and like these these indie darling movies because I can't as it is right now I can't visualize her being in a mainstream movie um is she capable of doing that absolutely she's incredible but man like I I don't know what that would look like now for her to do that because you know with Think about it, guys. We've seen her on the big screen three times in the past 12 months. Like, how fucking nuts is that? It's
1: nuts and it's a privilege, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. man. She She's unbelievable. Um, Alexander Skarsgård was, dude, perfect casting because this is one of those things that could they have cast somebody else in the role? Like, yes, absolutely. But I, I think he just did a phenomenal job in the role and I... I feel like all the emotions that he was conveying at I- any given moment like he was so good and so convincing that I instantly felt exactly what he was feeling the entire movie. Um and before I pass it off to you guys, I also want to say that on top of a reach around hand job with Jizz hitting rocks, there was a scene where the nipples Mia Goth, you you knew we had to talk about I was it. Just Mia about Goth. was to bring it up. <laughs> Mia Goth like, like after James confronts someone and beats someone to death, and that's what I'll say, Um, he, his fist is covered in blood, and she's like, it's okay, James. James. And she, like, Jamesies! And oh, she God. she literally, like, takes her hand and smears some of the blood from the dead victim that, that James just beat to death, and she pops a titty out out of nowhere... <laughs> and rubs the blood on her nipple, and then immediately he starts sucking on her tit. And I'm like, this goddamn movie it just is so there. fucking yeah. strange that I'm absolutely here for it, man. I, I treasure the fucking shit out of this weird-ass, fantastic movie.
0: That's also not the only weird thing with nipples that happens to this movie. During the orgy, oh, dude. The, there's a close-up of nipples where, like, sludge is coming out. <sighs> but, like... Solid uh, sludge. It was. It was like. It was like one of those like like all natural vegan like protein bars you can get where it's like just held by like uh, jelly. Yeah.
1: It was that tastes that was absolutely gross. disgusting.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, cool man. Great review. I'm glad you liked it. Check I out Possessor. It. I'm. I'm
2: going to. I swear, for weeks. God! I swear, for God! I'm gonna check this out. Brady, we'll move on to you then, buddy. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? <laughs>
0: Uh, so I, I think it was pretty clear through my review too, but, um... Was I'm it? definitely... Was it, Brady?
2: I don't know. You tell me. Tell already. me again. Uh... Fucking, fucking book nerd. Tell us what you think. <laughs> Harry Potter-looking um, motherfucker. See the
0: novelization of this movie? Um, <laughs> That's how no, you need I, to talk. Uh,
1: you need to talk in that voice from now on in every review, through the entire I just, review.
0: I just really thought that it was, uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, I just, uh... I wish,
1: <laughs> Brady. Are you you, really? you read books and you wear suits every day for your job. You should sound like
0: that. Are you trying to profile me?
1: I'm, I'm profiling know. you. I'm stereotyping you.
0: All right. I got new glasses, but I didn't wear them tonight because I was like, no. Then they're going to be like,
1: oh, we made fun of you last week for being Gary Potter. I said I like the glasses. Gary dude. Potter.
0: <laughs> and shout out to Patrick Sherwood for coming to my defense <laughs> on Facebook. We love Anyways, you, Patrick. Uh, we love you, Patrick. Treasuring the shit out of this movie. I. It's hard because, like you said, Justin, like I don't know that I could necessarily say that I love this movie, and I, it's, I don't think it's one that I can just recommend to any horror fan. You know, like I, I feel like if I'm telling somebody who's maybe not as invested into horror as we are, or somebody who really doesn't understand like Cronenberg and what they're getting into, like I, I, I think that's going to be a hard, hard movie for them to swallow. Like there's a lot in there that, that could take somebody out. Um, it's but weird for me. Like I, I think it's just like. A fantastic ride and it's this this abysmal disorienting shaky i mean even the camera work is like is designed to make you feel like you don't know what's going on like you're never on solid footing like the characters um the character work is fantastic alexander skarsgård is showing that he's not just a commercial actor but he can do roles like this that require him to pull out a lot of a lot of depth and i'm glad we saw him in this and then johnny also. depth the Northmen, like I think, those two movies have <laughs> have shown that he can he can really like um, reach deep and, and pull it out. Similarly to how Mia Goth pulled his dick into a handjob, um, I think that she she's she, just PP handjob. She job. can't she can't do any wrong at this point. Essentially, like she's just hit a level where everything she's in is going to make me want to go see it. Yep, Sam. one hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I think the writing is incredible. I, I was reading too that he actually um took inspiration from when he was writing it he wrote the screenplay um based on actual experiences he had yeah i I saw that that he said something about
1: he had dreams or something about killing clones of himself on vacation yeah
0: and he started writing a a short story about it It was like i'm just gonna fucking write a script so kudos to him man like i i cannot wait to see what else he does like he's just another exciting director in horror that um i really hope goes on to do more great things because I, I feel like science fiction is one of those things where it's it's not as accessible especially when you blend science fiction and horror and And he's really doing something special. Well, I mean,
1: he's, he's the son of a man that has really molded the idea perfectly of blending science fiction and horror together. I mean, The Fly is one of the greatest movies of all time and mm-hmm. the apple didn't fall very far from the tree in this case. I mean, he he directs movies that feel a lot like his dad's, but they're also fresh and inventive in their own way. He's got his own eye for things, and he makes grotesque things look beautiful. I can't say that his father does that in the same way. A lot of his stuff really is just disgusting, mm-hmm. but they're both made to make you feel something. And That shit was disgusting.
0: Way. You know what movie, before I move on for you, Justin, that this, when I think about David Cronenberg, it was Dead Ringers. That's what I kept thinking of watching this movie the entire time. Like some of the same cinematography, the, that same overall aesthetic where it's like you have this rich, posh culture lifestyle with the two brothers who are surgeons and Dead Ringers. And, and then you also have it like with this. Obviously very different movies, but that's what I kept making comparisons to. It. And I was like, okay, cool. I can see how you like borrowed something from your dad, and then made it your own. So Yeah, for sure.
1: And, and I saw a lot of parallels to Shivers as well. Um, mm. Early Cronenberg mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, there's a lot of sex, you know? Yeah. Um, but very much, I, I got to kind of piggyback off the both of you guys and agree with everything you guys said. Uh, the strongest part of Infinity Pool is that Cronenberg is challenging you as a viewer, he's challenging you to go through an experience. That may be uncomfortable but it, it it checks off all the boxes on every sense except for i mean <laughs> it'd be amazing if they did this in one of those 4dx theaters where you can smell things and literally <laughs> you you know what i mean because the movie literally just puts you through this experience that's this visceral hallucinogenic fucking nightmare and it, it really captivated me in those sequences I think at times I found myself slightly bored with 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 some of the character stuff, even though it's all brilliantly done. I think the performances are really the showcase here, outside of the visuals and the sound. Um, it's it's hard to not like what you're seeing. Um, I was most definitely impressed by it, and it, it 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 took me over from beginning to end. And I mean, it's something like Jeremy had said; he's never seen anything else like this. And even though we've both Actually, all three of us combined together have seen so many fucking movies, not just horror movies, but all different kinds of movies. And I myself can admit that I've never seen anything quite like this before. I've seen things similar, but he's just got this knack for like perfecting his vision in a way that I've not seen a lot of other young up and coming horror filmmakers do. And he does it his own way. I mean, he's not trying to do anything to impress the GA. He's just doing his shtick and he wants to just make it as pure and unbridled hell as possible. And you have to appreciate that. So I'm going to also treasure this. You know, I think it's one of those movies where you know, I know there's sometimes where you'll see a movie and you're not as impressed or you did like it but you did like it but you didn't like it that much. But this is one I definitely feel like I want to revisit. You know, I want to pick this one up, revisit this one and give it another shot. And, you know, it's one, I think that that there's a lot more to it on multiple viewings, like you're going to find more out of it. You know, there's so much in there. Um, And maybe there's just too much for a single watch. You know, I saw a lot of people, even though Jeremy, you said, you know, the theater was dead. My theater, I think had like 15 people. It's made like, I think, uh, let me see, like 2.7, 2.7 million or something like that yeah. so it hasn't made a lot but i mean hopefully word of mouth will get out and more people will will give it a shot but Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review for Infinity Pool. I know a lot of people actually reached out. Um, I did a tweet on our Twitter and asked, should we review this? And everyone said yes. And then I got a bunch of people saying, like, wish I could see it because, you know, it's not a super wide release. And, you know, it it bothers me, you know, working at Alamo Drafthouse and this being a neon produced movie. Jeremy, you telling me that you wanted to see it at your local Alamo and they didn't have it.
2: Did not have it, dude. I had I had to rough it. I had to go to AMC Theaters, which oh, is so... Fu- dude, it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, I fucking hate it. And, of course, like, there's four people in the theater, and there's somebody sitting right in front of us, and he, of course, he was a fucking subhuman fucking idiot. That so was... Let me let me guess. Night.
1: Phone out and... Nightmare.
2: Phone out, loud, like, just fucking text messages going on towards, like, dude, where are you, where are you from? And why are
1: you paying like, your own money, or why are you wasting someone else's money to come in here and waste other people's time and their enjoyment?
2: Yeah, I I, I fucking hate AMC, so... Yeah, I mean, dude, Alamo has spoiled me. I have one right down the street, and uh, it, it's very sad in the the few times where Alamo is not showing something where I got to go to fucking AMC.
1: Yeah, man, it's, and, uh, I'll, I'll have get to, that uh,
2: Nicole Kidman promo the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <kid>. <laughs> I, I actually don't mind that promo. Talk but. about eyes wide shut. Am I right? Yeah,
1: but, um, <laughs> <laughs> talk about Kubrick. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I'll have to look into that and see sometimes, you know, unfortunately, like depending on the demographic of, of the area and all that stuff, they decide like, is this going to do well here or should we just put avatar on two more screens? Um,
0: well, I'm excited because they're actually putting an Alamo Draft House uh 10 minutes a 10-minute walk from where I work in Boston in Seaport. I saw the signs go up and everything and I was like, "Oh, yes.
1: I would love to come up and visit you for the grand opening. That would be amazing."
0: There you go. Yeah. Well, there, well, there it is. There Well, there it is.
1: But ladies and gentlemen, if you've seen the movie, let us know what you thought of it in the comment section on the post. If you are listening for the first time, come and check us out. We're on every social media platform, at Epic Film Guys, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you like what you're hearing on the show as well, go ahead and head over to Spotify or iTunes and drop us a review. We greatly appreciate that. And aside from that, we hope to have you tune in next week for whatever the fuck we're going to do, which we don't know yet. But I'm sure we'll announce it sometime soon here. But until that next time, I'm Justin.
0: I'm Jeremy. I'm Buretti, and as always,
1: <laughs> we like to ask you to keep it creepy. James. <laughs>